I really believe one of the most powerful tools we have is our voice. How we use our voice. What we say, yes, but also how we say it. Life is about relationships. Relationships are about communication. And how we speak to each other can make a huge difference to the quality of our relationships and therefore our life. So today, I have with me Helena Walsh, top voice coach in the country. Now, when you think voice, like I did, you might think about singing, which is a fair presumption. But Helena specializes in communication. So she works with people, uh, actors on stage and screen to help them in their presentation skills, their public speaking skills. And this is something, whether you're speaking to a class, a workshop, a bunch of trainees, or you're talking to your significant other, your mother, your father, how we use our voice can be really powerful. And it can give us a lot of empowerment, a lot of freedom. It's something I've been fascinated for a while. That's why, big reason why I started a podcast, because I'm interested in how I communicate and my limitations and how I can improve that. So to have Helena with me is a real treat. And before we recorded this podcast, we actually did a private, so a one-to-one. And she took me through her techniques for helping to calm the nervous system, to think in a positive manner, and how to channel your voice. I hope you learn a lot from this. This was, I planned to, I wanted to do her workshop, her series of classes over, I think it's 10 weeks. But unfortunately, I teach those days. But by hook or by crook, I'm definitely going to get myself in a position where I can learn more from Helena in in the future. Because I, I know that I've got way more to develop in terms of how I speak. And um, it's fun as well, you know, to be, I mean, what's the biggest fear we all have? It's not dying, it's public speaking. And the more competent we get at that, the more freedom we can have. So, if you enjoyed this podcast at any stage, you can leave it a review on iTunes. You can use the power of your voice to tell one of your friends. Or you can, um, you can, that's enough. Yeah, anything else you want to do is a bonus in terms of supporting the podcast. If you'd like to come to a retreat with myself and Rachel, then there's a couple of spaces left for Ardna Who in Wicklow. Not Wicklow, it's in Leitrim. And that's in April 3rd to April 5th. It's for a weekend. So yes, feel free to get in touch. It's a small deposit. Early bird is still available to January 31st. And hope you enjoy this chat with Helena. Without further ado, here is the lady herself. Hey, Helena. Is that applause for me? (laughs) (laughs) How are you? I'm good. I'm very good, thank you. I'm feeling very relaxed. Ah, good. we spent the last hour and a bit together mm-hmm. and I, we did a little private we so, did now funny enough in the private that you went through with me or the one-to-one i was thinking we were going to be doing la 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 that mm-hmm. type of thing um but we didn't so w- why didn't we 
Yeah. So there's this beautiful quote from um, a prominent voice teacher who's now passed away called Dudley Knight. And it's that the voice comes from an alive, alert stillness. So a lot of the work that I do with people in the beginning is really learning to listen to what is happening in the body, breathing with it, and then speaking from there. So for many people, this more invisible, the sensational self, the emotional self, that can the breath really hold it? And can you express from that? That takes a little bit of time for people to get used to because mm. that sense of embodied listening I suppose, and that all, for me, communication, expression, voice work, creativity, is really about listening to how am I being affected by you? How am I being affected by my environment? And can I, what supports that and fuels that is the breath. So how can I breathe with that? Because for many people, we shut down, we don't want to let our environment in, we don't want to let the other person in, we don't want to let the experience in. But really to become an authentic, empowered speaker, I have to train myself, practice to breathe with any of the little moments that come up. And and I think a lot of the work is about that. Mm. And that's why I start in in stillness, mm. in in getting you used to that sense of your environment, where you are, your nervous system, taking that in, aligning with the ease of that, which is what we worked on. And mm -hmm. um, so we, we, we looked around the room, we noticed what we enjoyed looking at, and then we, what, what is my felt sense in relation to that? So how do I feel about that? How do I breathe with that? Mm -hmm. And now you're ready to express. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that alive alert stillness is a really crucial part of speaking. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting um, because it's almost like we were, I was examining my external environment and then that affected my internal environment. Um, whereas you mentioned something very interesting about sometimes we, we want people in the modern world to come into a yoga class, sit there, close their eyes and breathe. And they've just come from being in a traffic jam or on their phone trying to sort something out or maybe in a conversation with someone and then we're asking them to be still straight away yeah instead of acknowledging what is around them as opposed to what's in front of them i.e their phone yeah um that was really fascinating for me when i when i actually first met you to be honest i couldn't help but be self-conscious you came to the door of my, of my house and I was thinking, is she assessing my body language? <laughs> is she assessing, uh, 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 assessing how I'm using, projecting my voice? So I was like, good morning. <laughs> you know, I was, yeah, I was, yeah, you do that quite well. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was kind of uh, conscious about, about my theatrics like, and where you thinking, hmm, he's, he's assessing me because say when I do a one-to-one -one with someone and I'm teaching them handstands, for example, I'll look at their body to mm. see like to get an assessment of are they someone who maybe what are they capable of um so far and um and also i'm picking up on uh, on their how if they feel nervous because it is quite intense when you do one-to-one -one. yeah so without being self-centered or like an egomaniac did you what did you pick up about me i like when we first met at the door i went straight into my 
curiosity about your electric car. <laughs> so, like, for me, people are their stories. People are, you know, so we talked about your electric car and we talked about, you know, you going to Sligo and it only, you know, lasting 150 kilometers. <laughs> and so in that exchange, I'm getting a sense of who you are just intuitively. Yeah. I walked into your house and I met your dog, Alfie. So so I'm, I'm getting a sense of of who you are by the environment you live in by how you and I communicate and and I guess I don't assessment doesn't come into it it's more a felt sense mm. of what is here mm-hmm. and 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 I guess that's the importance for me of what do I see what what am I listening to how are we uh, exchanging what's happening in that exchange um and and that takes time yeah, so I just allow that that time for that to evolve. And I, I very much work with just what's here in front of me in the present moment. And that's how I experience you. I experience you in relation to what's on offer. I'm not listening to where your voice is or, you know, when we went into the one-to-one, of course, I'm watching your body language because now my attention is on, well, what's happening in your body? What is the thing that's most organizing? How can we allow you become much more aware of what you're already doing? So in many ways, the work that I do is really to be with the person where they are and to make them aware of what's already powerful about what they're doing. Because mm. for, for me, much of the work is people are so unconscious about what's already there. And that can we bring attention to what's already there that's really working for you? And then can we expand on that mm-hmm. and make that become something more conscious? Really going from the unconscious to the conscious, mm-hmm. in a sense. So, uh, yeah, my impression was someone who's very aware of the environment, <laughs> has their electric car, mm-hmm. is a self-starter because, you <laughs> you know, so we had that whole conversation, oh, self-starters, they get all the new innovations, but they're not quite established yet. Whereas mm. if they waited about 10 years, you'd get the better, you know, design. <clears throat> I don't think things through. I, um, I did a, I think it's the Herman Myers brain test. Oh, yeah. Herman Myers brain assessment. Briggs. Briggs. Yeah, Herman Briggs assessment. Yeah, that thing, like that. that thing. Yeah, and I, I, I did that in a, the last company I worked for, which was an artificial intelligence company, ah. and all the people there were engineers, and I was, I uh, was in operations, and when they came and did the assessment, it was like very um, thoroughly done. One of the things that they said on my chart was uh, my chart was completely different to everyone else's, and it was, you like to start things, but without thinking them through. And I've always been that way. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's give it a go. See what happens. Um, but that can have its <laughs> have its downsides. But I think um, so. It's interesting what you were saying about being like the electric car. I bought the car. I didn't think about traveling cross country, for example, which now I might have to do quite a lot. Um, um, so, but also you you talked about movement and uh, and how. You, you mentioned something about being, you, what you said to me about my rocking. Yeah, so so that um, when I'm with a client um, mm-hmm. or an actor or I'm watching the body language, um, because for many people what their voice 
is doing and what their body is doing can be quite disconnected because like we see in the body the rigidity the fight flight freeze pa patterns that kick in when we feel intimidated self-conscious which is often when we get to stand up in front of a class or mm -hmm. stand up to present or it could happen to us on a film set or uh, in a rehearsal rehearsal process so I'm watching the body and the natural physiology and biology is that our bodies want to organize. They want to feel safe and secure. And we spoke about this, that the first thing mm -hmm. I'm interested in doing is creating that environment where you feel safe and secure in a really concrete, authentic way in your, in your body. Yeah. And how do we do that? We, we, we notice what's already happening. And you were doing kind of a certain amount of rocking was happening from side to side. And mm. so your energy was trying to find its place you know inside this moment so i asked you to move with that you know because often especially mm. young boys are told to sit still don't move stop fidgeting when in fact that's just our our body needing to do something with the excess energy and what we did was go well okay you're moving let's just notice what feels good about that movement and what was interesting through the session was the more you allowed yourself kind of just be with that notice what feels good you eventually came to a stillness mm. and then i asked you where's the stillest part of where you are and you were really really still and then we went into this work with uh, imagery and emotion and meaning and sensation so and that's where you had this alive alert stillness that, mm. that I talk about mm. that that really <coughs> you're coming like whether you're on screen or you're about to speak what I, what we want to do is strategically use our attention into alignment with our environment what feels good inside so we're super focused while still having this really alive energy flow moving through us so we can have nuance and range and color and expression in our voices so like even now you're, <laughs> you're rocking forward and back and that's completely you know that's just the body you know self-soothing and kind of going oh okay what what feels good about that because eventually what will happen is especially when i'm working with you know my actors on camera where they're told be still which is them going <gasps> So if you're really, really still, the nervous system has sent the, the instruction, we're in danger here, do not move. Mm -hmm. So we stop breathing, the whole mechanism breaks down, whereas it's different when stillness comes from within, from a sense of ease and, and a sense of really sharp focus. Mm -hmm. um, because a, a, a lot of us, as you would have seen this morning, the skills are they're very simple. They're very simple, but it's the practice of them, like yoga. It's a repetition of them mm. that really feeds the system. You know, this environment's safe. Oh, it's safe to breathe. Oh, mm. it's safe to express. Because if, if I'm nervous or I'm in fight, flight, or freeze, one of the first things that's going to go, one is my sight. I can't see my environment, mm. right? And then the second thing is I'm not going to speak. Mm. Or I'm going to push my voice and I'm going to project, and then the audience are scared because mm. you're... You know, you're not yeah. speaking to them. Yeah. Mm. So this this micro movements are really interesting to be start to become aware of instead of I shouldn't be doing that. It's OK. Well, f what feels good about that? Mm. It's funny because when I come into class, I, I get down on my mat, I kneel down. This is my ritual. And I often catch myself rocking. And then I think, can people see me rocking? Do they think I'm a bit mad? But I, so I'll stop and notice I've been rocking. But now it's good to know that because actually when I was about six, I was put into a special needs class um, 
because I was considered to be, uh, I suppose, have to have special needs maybe. And I had like the speak and spell and I had to do lines and this type of thing. And, um, and it was mainly because I couldn't stop moving. I couldn't. And I was, um, so that's interesting that it's not, it's just uh, my body, as you said, trying to manage that energy. Completely. Yeah. And if you don't, so if you don't manage that energy, say, as you said to people, if you say, you know, watch what you do with your hands, maybe you've had them by your side. What what happens then? Do people just look unnatural yeah. and feel unnatural? Yeah, so you'll see it. Like, you know, when you watch people speak, often <clears throat> what happens is the arms are down by the side and they're kind of, they're speaking like this and there's no, and you can't understand them. You're having to really focus on, because there's no body connected mm. with it. Or the language, the body's doing stuff that has nothing to do with the expression. That's so funny you say that because you can see it's so blatantly obvious when a politician has been trained. Like look at Mark Zuckerberg, for example, how he's clearly been trained to use his hands and it doesn't match with his voice or with his facial expressions. It, this, it's, that's why it's a lie detector, you see? You <laughs> see? It's a complete lie detector, the human voice and the body. It just completely yeah. gives you away. That's why Zuckerberg gets accused of being an alien or a robot because they're like, because there's loads of memes about him being a robot that's been trained to be like a human. You know, obviously okay. it's, it's a joke because, he, because we look at that and to the human eye, something's not right. We can't put our finger on it. He's making the right gestures, he's saying the right things. It just doesn't fit because, and he, he obviously has the best guys in the world training him, but it's still. It's to do it's, with the intention, you see? Mm. Where is his intention? And that's the interesting thing, you know, the, the speakers that really move us and shift us and change us and in, in their presence when they speak, we, we transform. There's an intention of integrity, if that's what we're looking for, inside and behind the words that they use. So there's the words, and then as we, sp we spoke about the iceberg, there is this extraordinary depth beneath from which the words come. And that's why in voice work, we really listen to, well, what is happening in the body? What, mm -hmm. is, what are the sensations saying? What are the emotions speaking? And then can I breathe with that? And can I speak from there? Mm -hmm. Whereas mm -hmm. I can very easily politically, you know, manufacture a certain way of yeah. speaking and saying but mm, this there's a lie detector like the the human voice is is a lie detector i had this very funny moment with my daughter once we were in the car and uh i got annoyed about something and then um she said i'm sorry i'm sorry mama and i said okay she goes no wait, wait, what no your tone of voice told me it's not okay you know so there's this sense of our, our our intonation creates war or peace in a sense so can so if the intention isn't clear or it, we'll feel that in the voice so often we're reacting to someone's tone of voice as opposed to the words that they use mm -hmm. you know for what feels good or what doesn't feel so good mm. you know yeah <clears throat> i think intention is int interesting because maybe politician for example their intention is to influence people for their own gain as it were mm. um, and they're being trained to do certain actions but it's almost like they're not peeling it back to um, simple things like you were saying about what's their environment like and how does it affect them 
So, because what we were doing downstairs, as you you mentioned, was so uh, there's a couple of things I wanted to talk about actually was the organic intelligence. Mm. Um, now I'll 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 explain what I experienced. Um, so <clears throat> we were sitting down, and I was asked to find something in. Yeah, I was asked to find something in the room. Just look around the room, find something, and focus on something, and then asked to think of the or consider the texture, the color, and the shape of that object I was looking at, and then how it makes me feel. Can I find pleasure in that, uh, or does it make me feel okay? And then to move, do that. Take a moment on that. Do it. Then look at another somewhere else in the room and a, and a third place, and then to close my eyes and visualize that, and. What I realized was, and after I'd visualized it, was then to give my feedback as to how it makes me feel and then how that affects my breathing as opposed to sit in a room, not know what's going on around you and try to cultivate uh, a breath, um, an arbitrary breath. For example, in yoga, we would do a box breathing in for four, hold it out for four okay. seconds, that type of thing, which is fine, mm. but it's not your natural breath, is it? You're, you're, it's just an arbitrary number. Uh, it's better than nothing, mm. but at the same time, you're not finding that natural rhythm uh, mm. that makes you maybe feel at ease. Mm. So you've done it the opposite. You've done look at the external environment, be aware of it. How does it make you feel? And then and then how does that affect your breath? Is mm. that a fair reflection? Yeah, beautiful. It's beautifully said. I couldn't have said it. Better. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's really interesting listening to that. You know that that reflection. It, in that sense, first I have the experience. And then I embody that experience by noticing how does that feel? How and how does my breath carry that? And then I speak from experience. Mm. Like that that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in someone really speaking from experience. You know, you've, you've, you've described that beautifully. I'm having my response internally to that. I'm breathing with that. I'm having kind of, ah, you know, mm. an inspiration in relation to that. And then I'm speaking out of that. So, so that sense of orienting through to really seeing something or really listening to someone and allowing yourself to breathe as you're listening to someone mm. and allowing yourself to see the environment, then notice how that makes you feel and then breathe from there and then speak. Mm. Be yeah. Because then as well, when you do that, <clears throat> it becomes more of a two-way process. You'll be able to consider your environment and then react to it. So the way I was looking at that plant is now I'm looking at you. Yeah. Whereas if I come into a room and I say, right, these are my breathing techniques, this is what I'm going to do, this is my uh, maybe some bioenergetics that I'm going to do, and I don't consider things around me, that it, when you're then, I imagine speaking to people, it becomes like a one-way thing. I'm just talking at you, mm, nice. and I'm not looking at, I'm not actually seeing you as a person. How you're th that feedback loop of how is this hit, um, sitting with you? Is it sitting well? Do I need to um, change what or alter what I'm saying or how I'm saying it in real time so that it has more impact? Which is very interesting because I think that I went to a speaker school with jerry duffy a couple months ago and he was talking about how public speaking is it is a bit of a dialogue but it's not they don't speak back you're just noticing uh, them uh, as part of your environment um you, when we did the 
Uh, so we did the organic intelligence, and then we did the Fitzmaurice te- technique. Fitzmaurice voice work technique. Oh, Fitzmaurice yeah. Yeah. voice work technique. Yeah. Um, is that what we were doing with the tremors? So if, for people who are yogis, we lay down in uh, well, Supta Baddha Konasana, soles of the feet together, knees open. And then once we lay, or, or, or I lay down. <laughs> I didn't. You didn't. Yeah. Uh, so, and then once I, I lay down, my knees were open, so I was there in a, a passive Supta, as it were. Uh, and then I started to take the knees not fully together but halfway and hold it there and I began to sh- tremor to shake um, which was actually quite difficult because I've just never done that before is yeah. that the Fitzmaurice yeah. technique okay yeah. so, so basically Catherine was influenced Catherine Fitzmaurice mm. who uh, this extraordinary work came from she studied bioenergetics mm. um, for for years um, and she'd also studied in more traditional approaches to voice. Um, but she was a very, is a very curious human being and has a very brilliant mind-body um, genius in a way. And she started to question her actors seemed to, no matter how much they did the traditional voice work, they still appear to be tension deep in the vocal tract. And I would have felt that myself until I came to her work and I, I had been teaching voice for a very long time. Um, and she went away and studied bioenergetics and within the bioenergetics she went deeper into the unconscious mm. and she went into the autonomic nervous system. Mm. not just the central nervous system and within the the autonomic nervous system she began to work with these different postures which you could call modified yoga postures like she had studied yoga for 10 years went no 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 this we need something else when it comes to the voice and because with the voice she talks about freedom and focus chaos and structure you want both those things alive like you said i'm breathing with the experience Mm the length of the breath really changes like a jazz-like piece of music all of the time, depending on the experience I'm having. So you want a flexibility of breath. Yeah, it's not about I breathe in, I speak, because then you get like <laughs> monotone, mm. the delivery is just flat, because some you're not really bringing in that liveliness. So within the bioenergetics, what she has are about 12 different postures that work at different parts of the body all the way from the pelvis up to the crown of the head. And you're releasing any hold or tightness through really gently massaging through tremor. This is a voluntary tremor that we're creating. It's the Golgi reflex so that it's between fully extended and fully closed. There's a there's a moment where the body starts to to shake in Mm -hmm. order to almost like a healing response. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what she did was explore connecting the breath to that. And she talks about this fluffy breath of of the in and the out breath. So you get that in in many ways you're being breathed by your body. Yes. Yeah. And it's like for me, I always felt like it was like pouring the breath like a glass like champagne into a glass, the breath was being poured into the tremor and there was this relationship happening where you were breathing life into the different parts of the body that had become held and tight for very real reasons of protection, but that for the vocal instrument and for in particular actors, they need to have a flexible instrument where they can move Mm. and go and be emotionally and sensually available 
and to be able to speak from from very complex places. Did you say sensually or sensually available? Sensually, sensually. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, so the sensational self is really, really crucial in this because, like, we talk about orientation through the senses. What do I hear? What do I see? What do I feel? What do I touch? Mm. Like, we know that in a lot of mysticism and and you know, for instance, Buddhism, that sense of orientation through the senses gives you a feeling of gravity, which we talk about in organic intelligence, and it's really grounding. And it brings the the body into a stillness and an alignment. And then from there, I can allow, like I worked with you, we worked with image. I can allow image flow through those, those senses. I can allow sensation. It, maybe I feel fuzzy, buzzy. Maybe there's a warmth moving through me or a coldness. So, so that starts to have a language in a sense. So what Catherine did with this work was she just was bringing the unconscious self into a more conscious felt experience. Mm. And not only that was the knock-on effect was it's creative impulse. So you become, you become much more available to your creative impulses so instead of working off the secondary source you're mm. working off that primary creative impulse mm. which you need to do as any creative artist needs to do um and that there you're deeply in the unknown and you're in discovery and you're discovering stuff and you where did that come from mm. yeah so it's not coming from an intellectualization or a conceptual mm. sense of the moment it's coming from a real unknown felt sense that in a bizarre way is a very you go ah wow mm. and then you find the meaning so these this bio these bioenergetics really brought brings greater flexibility into the instrument and mm. with her work what i find is that whether you work with it with presentations or you work with it with song or you work with it with text the person themselves feels, ah, oh, this is my voice. These feel like my words. Mm -hmm. Because you've let go of this real deep tension mm -hmm. deep inside you around the, the, the transversus, which is the third core muscle there, mm -hmm. your transversus, your obliques, your uh, rectus. So the transversus is, which is another part of Catherine's work, she has destructuring and restructuring. So the destructuring is the tremors that I that I introduced you this morning. And then the restructuring is where, because the body is now open and more free, the ribs moves, move more easily and you're tr you have more access to your transverse. So opening up my knees like that and doing the practice in the Golgi reflex is a way to affect the transverse abdominis as well. Exactly. So mm -hmm. yeah, as we know, the transverse sends uh, an impulse through the phrenic nerve to the diaphragm mm. and then the diaphragm works the ribs so she 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 talks about the transversus as being the thinking muscle mm. so looking at oh this is the physical action of thought and that the idea is that that transversus has the malleability and flexibility to move with your experience of the environment of the other person of the group of people you're in the room with and that's what gives you the structure, the stability, the feeling of strength and power that you can really communicate something very vulnerable mm. and uh, authentic. And, and, and mm. I mean, I mean, I, her work, I know I'll be doing it forever. And the more I practice it and the more I'm in, inside that work, the principles of that work, the deeper and more complex the instrument becomes. Mm. Um, so it's a... Yeah, it's it's a mandala, really. I love that the flexibility of the instrument, i.e., your voice. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, because 
I did a um, Neil deGrasse Tyson. You know who that is? No. He's an astrophysicist, astrophysicist huh. and he's become... I mean, we don't know many astrophysicists in the world, but he's the most famous by far. And part of the reason is he's an exceptional speaker. And I played a video to the teacher trainees last last year showing him a little three-minute clip of him speaking. And the flexibility of his voice is incredible. He can, he's got a baritone, Barry White-style voice. But yet he can go really high pitch. He pauses. He whispers, changes his his um, his intonation, and he can do. He does all of that like effortlessly, and it's so much more engaging than someone who just is thinking. Right, this is how a confident person speaks, and everything is the same all the time. Because as you said, it's very difficult then to f- focus on that person. It becomes if they're like stiff and loud. Um, that 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 may seem like oh that's good speaking because I'm not fidgeting and I'm booming my voice out there, but you become like a, a loud robot. Yeah, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think because like when I hear a speaker, I want to feel who they are when they speak. Mm-hmm. So I want to resonate in my body with what it is. What what is it you you? What's the intention? I want to feel the intention behind your words. Mm. Um, and can I receive that? Mm. Um, yeah. Why do people hate the sound of their own voice? Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because the first, one of the first things when people start to work with their voice is you don't discover your voice by listening to it. You discover your voice by what it feels like Mm. to express um, and I think often why people, I, you know, I'm sure there's 101 million ways. Sometimes people, it's when they hear themselves back on radio or recordings. And it's very different because how I hear my voice in my head, because I'm surrounded by bone and cartilage, is very different to how you hear my voice. So I think it can then be a bit of a surprise when people hear their voices back. And that this becomes really acute in singing. You know, people have a very vulnerable relationship with their singing voices Mm. um because our voices are so they're like daniel de lewis has this wonderful quote where he talks about the voice being the most intimate part of the self so you really are like when you're listening to your own voice it's you you know and and it's all of you it's not just what you physically look like it's what you internally are resonating with as well so i think that it's a very complex relationship a lot of us have with our voices and interestingly when we really empower it it can change our lives yeah absolutely i mean life is about relationships relationships are about communication Mm. communication is about talking and listening (laughs) so it's it's incredibly important um and I think that it's funny how, uh, like, I was very self-conscious about what I look like when I first started on the social media. And, and that's why I didn't, vi- part of the reason why I didn't video these podcasts for ages, because I was just conscious about what I look like. Mm. And the more I see myself now, the more I'm like, oh, that's me again. No big deal. Oh, that's what I look like from the side. That's what I look like when I've got a double chin. That's what my wrinkles look like. And I'm so used to seeing myself now, I don't even think about it. I just mm. go post a picture of me or a clip of me. And it's no big deal. It's almost like 
it's an extracted icon of who I am. Mm. That isn't really, it's just a representation of who I am. Mm. Um, and I don't, I don't have any self-consciousness about it now like I did. Mm. And thank God, because it was crippling for me. So do you think it might be a way for people to, I mean, I know it's not, uh, um, it's a bit of maybe an easy fix, but to record themselves and listen to themselves back, does that work? You know, I, maybe someone else, I mean, many people have different responses to that. I guess for me, the voice is a felt experience. Um, mm -hmm. Recording yourself and listening to yourself back, I don't know. I, 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 it's not, it's not the discovery that I'm looking for with people. Mm -hmm. It's more. It's a little bit like when an actor goes on set and they're filming a scene, and you're in the moment of that scene, and you come out and you kind of go, "I don't know whether that was any good or not." <laughs> you know, I was, so I was it. just there. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I wish for that same experience with the voice is that when the voice is really alive, you're speaking and you're discovering things and you're kind of surprised by what's coming out of your mouth. You know, when, when you're in communication, like we were saying that any dialogue we, we want to be discovering and exploring and when it's not just about opinion and I'm right and you're wrong or I've got knowledge that I want to impart onto you. You know, no, it's actually about can, can we have a, re a reflective discussion about mm -hmm. what we did this morning? So that sense of uh, the human voice for me is, 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 is a very present, alive process mm. um it's already gone if you've recorded it mm. and and listening to it back i mean i'm sure there's plenty of people who who will say i'm sure there's benefits but for me i'm more interested in you really experiencing something as you speak mm. and then then we can look back and go you know how did that go oh well i felt this this and this and then we can look at it mm. yeah but not necessarily by listening back yeah, because there's there's ways where I, I would have thought that might have been a technique, but I can see how it's not experiential. You're not you just listen to. Um, yeah, I can see how that may not necessarily work. Um, you have to go through the process of actually speaking itself, maybe, and, and, and yeah. sh sharpening your tool. Um, one thing I, I do a lot is I vi do a lot of visualization. Mm. So um, I did a brief period of my life boxing and in boxing uh, one of the things they do is you the Muhammad Ali picture yeah. up and the Bruce Lee <laughs> Bruce yeah. Lee um I'm not a tough guy but I just <laughs> I just I do like uh, uh, go on you are <laughs> no, no, so I just I do I do like um this is a kind of separate topic but there's something I really admire about fighters or people that are solo athletes they've got no team around them and they're doing it all on their own mm -hmm. but with fighting um it's when you try it once, even at an amateur level, it's so terrifying. You're tapping into something quite primitive. And if you can get over that uh, or you can manage those nerves, it's, um, I don't know, I think you can do a lot in, in your life. But, um, sorry, that's a different topic. But, but what I was saying about boxing, if you look at boxers training, if they're doing their sparring, after the, they'll often walk around the ring, um, they'll cover every part of the ring. And after they finish their sparring, they'll put the arms in the air. Hmm. As if, they're mimicking what they would do if they won the fight. Mm. 
And the same thing at the start of a fight, if you look at a boxing match, boxers will come in, they'll get into the ring and their name will be called out and they put their arms in the air. They almost train themselves for not how they feel before the event, but how they're going to feel after the event when they win. Mm. And that's, um, and I, I, um, there was an Olympics recently and one of the reporters asked the, the athletes, um, do you feel nervous? That was like the most common question. Do you feel nervous? And the athlete's response would always be, no, I feel excited. Mm. So one, visualization is so important, but two is how we frame things, I find. Mm. So I, I've, what I will do is I'll sit down on the mat, I'll probably start rocking, but I'm visualizing what I'm going to say ah. and how I'm going to say it. And, um, and I don't think too much about my, my body language, but um, I... C- I, I think I'm definitely going to be using your techniques because mm. I want to be more conscious that is the person at the back of the room receiving what I'm saying as well as the person at the front of the room mm. in front of me? Am mm. I addressing not just by projecting my voice, but can I establish some sort of intimacy with everyone? Mm. And that's and how I do that now I feel is going to be by being aware of the whole environment. As mm. you said, the, the, the global um, the global body the global body yeah. yeah which i know is just your body itself but the, the but there's an external global body yeah so we have this architecture of self which is our own which is the anchor so so just to explain we did um a certain amount of visualization mm-hmm. this morning where body scans really mm-hmm. um and we connected body scans to sensation what feels good about that and then we noticed how does that affect our breathing so we use that internal work as the anchor Mm. so that then when i open my eyes i'm then recognizing my environment so that if i want my voice to travel through an entire space i need to be able to map that space in my brain yeah so we did that's why we did the work of you looked at different objects and and you notice what feels good about them and then you close your eyes and you notice those objects again because the internal eye and the external eye the nervous system doesn't know any different. Mm-hmm. So whether I see the plant here and notice the colors and textures, mm-hmm. and then I notice how it feels, or I close my eyes and I imagine the colors, textures, and shape, and then feel, my nervous system thinks that's the exact same thing, which mm-hmm. is the power of visualization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so that sense of being able to be in the here and now and map my space and map myself in this space really hugely affects the distance at which my voice will be willing to travel. Mm. Like that is not just about projection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's actually about no really anchoring into your body, really being able to breathe with ease, really having a sense of, you know, working the supports mm. to support because before you start, so the, a, a class really <coughs> being here and present is the best kind of skill you can use for the voice to emerge mm-hmm. yeah because it's creating ease in the body and mm. it's creating you're safe yeah. and actually this is a really easy place just to express because you know you've been teaching this work and then also something more spontaneous can start to arrive as mm. well because you know your script mm. yeah and then it's okay how can i be here with my script with this new group of people and adjust it according to their needs yeah, it's funny because I have tried to teach some bioenergetics before, you know. Um, like, like tremoring? 
No, no, oh. more more like um, bouncing on the spot and ah. stuff I've, I've seen online. Yeah. And um, but but the thing is that excites the body. Yeah. Right. Which is fine. But actually, what I feel, and maybe this might be for me as just more as an individual, but it's better to have almost like a relaxed energy. So coming from a place where you are calm and then you can, but you still have the energy in you to deliver it as opposed to, I'm excited. This is the class I'm going to teach. And you, you know, you've done some jumping jacks beforehand, which I have done in the past. But I find that that I don't need that really. That might overwhelm people. You know, I become too excited and because I already have all that energy already. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like it's nerves, but it's probably excitement, excitement. that I haven't been able to, ch- that yeah. I could channel better. Um, it just needs an anchor. And, it, and I exactly. think you're right in that different teachers need different approaches. Mm. Some teacher may not have the access to, like, you know, to the rockings going, <laughs> but might not have access to the, that energy. Mm. So they may need to do a different kind of, of start. But as long as whatever it is, is anchored. It has an anchor in the body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we, we looked a lot at what feels stable. So right now as you're sitting, what part of your body feels supported? Mm. So for me, I have one foot on the floor and then I have my ass on the chair and I can feel my lower back on the back of the chair. So if I really notice that and allow that to support me, it changes my voice. Mm. Yeah. So and notice what feels good about that. Oh, okay, there's my support. There's my ease. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that sense of being aware of what already is, where where are the resources? And we talked about this like in organic intelligence, um, which is a system. I, I probably should talk a little bit into that. That that um, it's a human empowerment and resilience training that I'm doing in in Switzerland, and I'm in in my third year now. But part of it is it's it, the work is to do with um, working with trauma, anxiety, and PTSD. And it works with the natural, organic um, uh, expression of the physiology and biology of the body. So we're th- th- the, the body always wants to organize itself. Mm. Yeah. And if you really look at it, you'll find like when someone's speaking, there'll be repetitive movements that they'll make. Okay, that's the most organizing one. Okay, what feels good about that? And that's where we're talking. Okay, now the speaker, the words and the body are beginning to integrate because we have we talk about that the physiology and biology is 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 like a climate in the body so that we all have a, a fixed climate like ireland well with climate change it's hard to tell what kind of climate we have but traditionally let's say ireland has a particular climate that's wet or you know damp and breezy and mild summers and that's its climate. So so do we as human beings. We have a particular climate because of our environment, because of our epigenetics, because of how we've responded to the world. And all we're doing is what happens to some people in their lives is they have an experience that changes that climate. And that climate becomes fixed because they've needed to protect in order to stay safe. So when we're working with organic intelligence, we're just trying to shift that climate so that it becomes more balanced and, and not fixed in the past. Mm-hmm. And how we're doing that is by bringing the system, the physiology and biology, into the present moment through orientation, through the senses. Mm-hmm. So we're not even going in 
initially into the story of what happened, but more let's try and bring your system into the here and now, not into a past memory of, oh my God, I stood up in class when I was eight years old and I was shamed by the teacher, <laughs> which can come up when all of a sudden you have to stand up and for, okay, let's teach your system that you're no longer seven years old and that you can see the camera over there and it's black and you can feel something inside. So you're now beginning to reorganize the system to let go of the past, come into the present, and be able to evolve. Mm -hmm. So there's an evolutionary process. Um, and so, so, so what then there's the, the, the sense of what am I doing with my images? What am I doing with my sensation? What am I doing with my emotion? What's moving through this system? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that we can talk about that there's a particular climate and then my emotion can be the weather. So I might constantly be fixed in anger or constantly cry. Mm. And now that's a fixed state. So we want to go, mm, can we shift that a bit? Can we, so we might move into something that's to do with, okay, let's, there's, there's a anger in the body. So what is that in sensation? Well, it's a heat. Okay, where do you feel the heat? Oh, well, I might feel it, feel it in my chest. Okay, what feels good in your body right now? Oh, I feel the support of the chair. So we're now reorganizing our relationship with mm. the anger so that it can soften a little and not become the... With the anger? Yeah, with the anger. So oh, it's anger, so yeah, With yeah, the anger, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that it doesn't become the fixed response. Okay, now I can actually maybe over time have something that's not just always angry. So, so there's so much to this idea of coming back to the present moment through the senses to be able to breathe with, evolve, speak from there, and mm. change, you know. And, that, and that's what we, we're working with with organic intelligence. Mm. Yeah. I think, as you mentioned, we sometimes we define ourselves by past experiences <clears throat> and we forget that we are organic beings and can be, we can change. Um, but it's, it requires, as you mentioned downstairs, principles, not necessarily practices. Like do, what are your, um, your principal techniques? Um, I'm conscious. I want to ask the questions that people sent in yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. because it's not just about me or I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Good for him. Yeah, I know, exactly. Yeah. Um, so let me go to the stories. No, I'll go to my archive. Archive. Um, how do I do that? Go to my archive. Oh, I'm I don't know. I'm not very... I oh, here we go. Archive, boom. Now, Helena. Okay, you ready? Uh, ready? I'm ready. What exercises can you do to become more articulate or better at pronunciation? Okay, so a really quick one is to take poetry or a novel that you're reading and read it aloud five minutes a day, ten minutes a day, and just feel the muscularity of the language as you speak the language so that you're getting used to using language that's been really beautifully written, yeah, and your mouth is getting used to putting the muscles around that. So that's a very quick exercise that you can do mm. to, to, to just for that sense of clarity. Would it help to look in the mirror? No. Okay. <laughs> um, because it's a... It's a physical, so articulation is a physical action of the lips and the tongue. Mm -hmm. And what you want to do is feel the physicality of your mouth moving. Because often the reason why there might not be some is because the lips aren't moving and the tongue isn't moving. So, so one way of doing it is take really, really 
uh, heightened text, like whether that be poetry or a novel, and start to read so you can start to really get your mouth around the language. Was A-E-I-O-U that thing help? <laughs> Sorry, I don't, I don't mean to like... <laughs> you could simplify. do tongue twisters, look them up online. Oh, I mean, yeah. I did do a whole thing where we work all the different muscles. It's, it's, it's a, just like your body, you've got so many muscles in your face. So you stretching your face and moving your lips from side to side. And if you look up tongue exercises or lip exercises or facial exercises on the internet, I'm sure there's loads of them and tongue mm. twisters. They can really, really help in, in, in for greater clarity. You do accent um, training as well. Yeah. And what I've someone said to me recently is that I speak better when I'm teaching class than I do in real life. Um, that I get get a bit posher, basically. Um, and I've lived in Ireland half my life, and I haven't, my accent is pretty much the same as when I lived in London. But I'm just wondering, um, is that still being authentic? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely. I mean, of course you're going to speak differently when you're teaching because you are communicating to a group of people. I'm trying to enunciate everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you want to be clear. Mm. Um, and then when you're in your life, you're just shooting the breeze. It's, you know, mm. you, it's, it's not the same thing. So rhythmically, it's very different. It's probably much faster. And in yeah. fact, in fact, my accent stays the same, but it gets, it can occasionally get a bit working class if I'm trying to be funny, for example. Yeah, great. Because that, and I, I think, I just was self-conscious about it, saying, thinking like, well, you know, my accent's actually changing um, my social status is changing yeah. during the class yeah. but um but no it's just uh but of course you're going mm. to want to uh, clarity of intention when you're speaking to a group of people is really important because you could have an international audience you could have people from all over the world in your classes so all of us have to change the rhythm then mm. as, as, like within uh you know we're going to change how we express or communicate as a result it's so funny you say, you say that because like i've been with people when a foreign person or non-native english speaker has asked a question and they're just like yeah just down there mate i'm like you, you have to say yes to, you know you have to articulate it properly and some people are just not aware of that maybe yeah. but then then you'll get other people who when they're speaking to a french person they'll put on a french accent yeah, 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 yeah. it's like you're taking it too far yeah, 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 yeah. that's funny <laughs> that was great yeah. uh, thank you okay another uh, second question tips for dealing with involuntary responses like shaky voice throat uh, or sorry or dry throat yeah so just dry dry throat yeah so these are all and nervous responses so one very simple one can be before you get up to speak or you, you stand up to teach you just notice what is supporting you so for instance say you're sitting so what part of the, the, the if you're sitting then the floor is supporting your hips mm -hmm. you just really notice that so that you're sending the impulse to your nervous system everything is safe and secure because the only reason that that tremor that shake comes in or the shaky voice is because the nervous system doesn't feel stable and it doesn't feel strong so one of the best ways to do that is to bring your attention to your bones so i feel my hips or my ass on the on on the floor just before i start to speak and i feel well what feels strong in my body maybe it's my spine Maybe it's the way my hands are on my legs. So you begin to notice your body because that is your greatest anchor. And that changes your breathing. 
And now you're not just unconsciously speaking and, and speaking from a place of nervousness or where the voice starts to shake. You're going, oh, I have my entire body. My brain is receiving the signal. Oh, my entire body is behind me. A quick body scan is a brilliant thing to do as long as you connect it to your breathing. You know, I'm noticing the space between my toes and my ankles, noticing what feels good about that. I'm breathing with that between my ankles and my knees so that your brain realizes, oh, okay, I've got all of this here. So I, I talk to people about that when you're speaking in, with an audience, 10% of your attention is on yourself and 90% is on the audience. So the 10% on yourself is, can I feel the floor beneath my feet? And what feels good about that? Can I feel the chair? And can I feel the chair supporting my hips? Yeah. And then where you can go from there is now you're anchored. And now I can focus outward to my audience or to my class. And I can express if I'm with another person and I'm just communicating and it's you and I, 50% of my attention might be on myself, 50 on you. So a lot of the time we feel and this is where it can be tricky, my listening must be 100% on the other person or it must be 100% on my class. And if it is, very hard for you to ground because none of your attention is on yourself, mm. okay? So, for instance, if I say this in relation to camera, 90% of my actors' attention is on what's going on in their experience, 10% is on the film set. If you're going out to perform on stage, 10% is on me, 90%. So energetically, it's quite different. So in that question, I would say that all I would ask that teacher to do is just add the 10% of awareness of your own body before you start to speak. Because all that's happening is and the dryness, just make sure you're well hydrated. But you can also get dryness even if you are well hydrated because it's just a nervous response. So just make sure that 10% of your awareness, it, you've practiced that it's a, it's, it's, it, that you're in the equation as mm -hmm. you speak because your body is there doing the work to support you to speak. So you need, there needs to be an awareness of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Um, last question. Um, I've done my yoga teacher training but I would like to, um, I'd like to be a yoga teacher, but I'm naturally very shy. Mm. Um, what advice would you give me? Hmm. I think first of all, that it's interesting, that sense of how can you make that shyness that you have a gift? and that to trust that there's a stillness maybe that you have and a silence and an ability to listen that you have that 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 maybe other teachers don't so i would say first of all trust um that sense you have of yourself and give yourself the time before you stand up to speak that you need to prepare yourself to be able to do that. So what self-care do you need to do in order to feel okay in front of this, this, this group of people? Because often when we have a more uh, introverted energy, um, we, we can feel the external world in a much more heightened way. So it means that we really need to feel 
quite safe and secure in order to be able to speak. So whatever strategies you have, like there's a lot of what we've spoken about in this podcast, like the orientation outward, noticing something in your environment that you enjoy looking at, then noticing what feels good inside. That simple exercise can really help if you're shy because what we're doing is, again, feeding your system. It's okay. Everything's safe here. Yeah, again, all those grounding exercises that I just mentioned, where we get nervous, where you notice what in my body feels strong right now, so that you're supporting who you are and who you are as a teacher. Because I think that's, you know, the most exciting teachers are just 100% themselves. And I know that one of the greatest compliments I can get is, you're so yourself in the class that it's easy for me to be myself. Mm-hmm. So, so there's mm-hmm. something ab- ab- about that shyness that I would bring to uh, mm. I would bring to the floor as something that's part of who you are and and moving from there in a way that's so good yeah how can your shyness be your gift yeah 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 that's phenomenal. it's a gift to the rest of us so because the rest of us talk to <laughs> <laughs> um with that Helena that was phenomenal thank, thank you thank you so much a pleasure um I am attending your workshop on june 15th that's right which is clarity of voice that's right and i'm my voice is going to be very clear by the end there of we it. go <laughs> yeah so that uh, will that will bring you into the mouth and all of the clarity and, and yeah. articulation work yeah because i'm really fascinated by this as i mentioned downstairs i love doing what i'm doing and the main reason is because i get to work with people and i've understand how important it is to develop your voice so um, you've been phenomenal. I hope you'll come on again sometime. Absolutely. I yeah. will. Thank it's you. A joy. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> wow, that's so good. Yay. That's so good. Thanks so much for listening to myself and Alina talk about the voice. Hope you learned a lot from it and it was gave you some value in your life. Check her out and her website and her voice courses because they're really interesting i think can add a lot of value particularly if you're a teacher or someone has to public speak as always appreciate you and please leave a review on itunes or maybe tell a friend about the podcast if you'd like to come to our retreat which is the end of oh the beginning of april that's april 3rd to april 5th over a weekend in an award-winning retreat center in leitrim which is the west of ireland a couple of spaces left for the early bird offer if you have any questions about it, reach out to me, kevinboyyoga.ie or kevinboyyoga on Instagram. All right, have a powerful week. And as always, I'll catch up with you next Thursday.